0: Hello, um, Neil. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. So, I mean, there's very much a theme running through all this. But what what actually we haven't talked about much is the the effect of the recent crisis on creativity. I mean, everything one's reading is about: are people writing more books? Are they doing this? How are they responding to this situation? So, what have you been doing? What you what do you think that this can show us and teach us?
1: I think for me. Um... Initially, what was hardest was in, in, in theory, this is magic for any writer. It's like, look, your job is to stay home and, and write and make stuff up. And in practice, I was finding things not getting written. I wasn't doing it. And I started realizing that the part of my head that normally makes up stories, that that comes up with fates and and events and adventures for imaginary people um, was much too busy worrying about the world worrying about the future trying to imagine what was going to happen and actually getting to focus on the sort of smaller events of fictional people, was much, much harder for me. Um, It was still there, but it was much less of an escape. And it took me a sort of journey over the last months to get back there. Initially, just by reading and figuring out what I needed to read for pleasure and (laughs) going finding books and authors that I had a fondness for uh, some from my childhood, some from more recent times and just going in and remembering what it was like to lose yourself in a book. And I finally, i had done lots of writing in lockdown that was efficient writing. I, I, I've written introductions to other people's books, one that was about a year late, and one that was either four years late or 32 years late, depending on which way you look at it. Um, but last week I wrote my first actual short story, and it was it was magic. I wasn't even sure I could do it, and I was asked to contribute to a charity anthology. Um, And right now, I think that was probably what I needed as motivation, the idea that the story would be going out and doing some good in the world was actually important to get me going, okay, right, I I can do this. I remember how to do this. And eventually I did.
0: And do you think that the experience of lockdown, did it inform the story? What What is the story about? Are we allowed to know?
1: Uh, the story is for a Doctor Who anthology, an anthology of Doctor Who stories, because a lot of wonderful and strange Doctor Who stuff has been created in lockdown. And I was asked to do a story for an anthology that will come out t- toward the end of the year for children in need. Um, and it was... Um, I think what was most fun in retrospect was getting as far away from lockdown as I possibly could and a story about a renegade time lord having an adventure and being pursued by an entire army felt like um, <laughs> you know I, I got to leave this house <laughs> I've been, you know this is this is where I am and I'm not really meeting any new people except they sometimes show up on zoom screens
0: hmm so um you have a lovely thing in the um in your book about art and i like this idea and it's quite sort of virus like you know that ideas are invisible contagious and they travel fast um what what makes an idea take off what what does it what ingredients does an idea have to have
1: i think i wish i wish truth were one of the things that it has to have but I don't think it is. I think I think one of the strange things about ideas is they are as contagious as COVID, and um, they they need to be timely. I mm-hmm. think, um, and they need to feel right. You know, people people need that sort of gut feeling. Um, but I think weirdly, it's if you if you look back at the world, um, sometimes just. Timely is the most important thing that an idea can be. And I think that, that applies to creative people too. You know, there were definitely things that I've written over the last 40 years where I'd be going, you know, this, this is really, this is good. This is, this is going to go out there and change things. And I would write it. And it would go out and it would be like, uh, you know, throwing rose petals into the Grand Canyon for all of the <laughs> the result you got from the world. And then five years later, or 20 years later, or 30 years later, you're looking around and it's, it's now everywhere. And that thing that you made is now filling the world and it's now, it's time has come. Um, and that's so strange. I mean, but I think that's true for so many of us who keep creating is, you know, eventually the world catches up
0: with you. The world caught up with you, Rose. <laughs> I suppose so. But I, but I think that it's, you know, just in these last 10 weeks, you know, we've, we've been given this idea very much, I think, by the media, you know, of fear. And now that's receding. And what's really interesting to me now is how do we put new ideas into this space and you know thinking about what what's been said already about you know where stories and fiction can be forces for good how do you see that we should all be responding now to that?
1: I think that is probably the biggest mission of artists and creative people at this point in time We need to, we need to dream, we need to actually form the culture that we want to be part of. We need to imagine it and we need to create it. And, um, you know, it partly that's going to be as a response to the way the world is changing and the physical nature of the world (laughs) changing and physical interaction is changing. And also I think one of the things that we're also seeing is people in lockdown, um, you know, they go to the end of their tether. And then Mm -hmm. they, more or less at the end of their tether, running out of kindness, uh, whether they want to or not, running out of goodwill, um, just holding on and going day by day. And we need to create a world, I think, that is kinder. one of the and and i think is driven less by outrage and more by some kind of positivity and i sound so wanky saying that
0: but no you don't you don't sound wanky at all i mean but but i think that there's you know another another thing that the quote i read of yours and i i mean i wholly agree with it but i have difficulty with it is that we all have the right to argue we all have the right to insult we all have the right to offend I mean we all have the right to our own ideas but right now there are a lot of ideas that you know from my point of view and I suspect from yours don't feel like good ideas and I, I don't know how you, you deal with that in a spirit of openness and thinking that kind of you have to let everything be said and I, I'm just fascinated by how you see that.
1: I, and I think, you know, we have we have to have the right to debate. Um, I, but I think there are rights that we don't have. You don't have the right to say anything with impunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you absolutely have the right to utter your ideas. And you should. But the rest of the world has the right to tell you what kind of a person they think you are for having those ideas. Or to debate those ideas or to shout at you. Um, what, what, I, what I was mostly concerned with when I was writing that was to say what we don't have the right to do is to blow up buildings in which yes. people are with ideas that we do not like to take out those ideas. Um, we do not have the right to kill. We do not have the right to maim, to stop ideas. Um, and, you know, we have the right to debate and we have to have that right. But then I also look at, you know, something like Twitter, which I am old enough to remember going on Twitter about 11, 12 years ago and going, what a beautiful little village filled with helpful and lovely people who all seem to want to make my life easier and I can do things that will make their life easier. And now you go in and it's like an enormous city filled with people shouting at each other. And you you drive in quickly wearing your mask and your hat and your blue rubber gloves and you get whatever you need and then you run away again. Um, because it's not a welcoming place anymore. And I think a lot of that gets driven by outrage, even when it's the outrage of people that you agree with. Um, mm. It's still... It's still a shouty, shouty place right now. And how do
0: we steer, sorry, how do we steer through that? How, how can fiction and stories steer us to the other side of, it's such an opportunity right now. As, you know, Natalie said, it's a crisis. It's also an opportunity. Well, I
1: think, you know, Roger said earlier that a poem is an empathy machine. And I've always thought of fiction as being an empathy machine. Um, fiction is a way of putting us inside other people's heads. It's a way of letting us look out through eyes that are not our own, of feeling the beating of other people's hearts, of experiencing other people's thoughts, of going into lives that we have not lived. And I think that as, as one of the functions that fiction serves, being a machine for empathy is probably the most important. Um, you know the Once you get inside somebody's head, at that point there is there is a bridge at that point mm-hmm. there can be communication at that point, improvement is possible
0: yes i like I like the I think you say um the world doesn't have to be like this the world can be like that it really
1: and, and I that I truly believe that and I also believe that the world changes because the people in it
0: mm-hmm.
1: do the changing. There, there's nobody else that's gonna turn up and fix it for us um, you know they I wish there were um, but there is no international rescue <laughs> they don't, they're not gonna turn up and fix it so we have to do it and whether that means you know, actually working hard to elect the representatives that we feel we deserve and that we feel can speak for us, Um, whether it's a matter of getting involved socially and just getting involved. um, I think we have to do it. We have to try and change our world because we can't rely on other people changing our world.
0: So we're nearly at the end of the time, but I just want to ask you about, what have you what have you done during lockdown apart from read books have you done anything like learning how to make furniture for instance probably the answers no but is there anything in that kind of Actually, large game?
1: I'm I'm apart from bread making oh, uh, that's which good. I could not do it at the beginning of, of lockdown and now I'm I absolutely love me and me and my my you know, sourdough starter, have a very intense relationship halfway between a sort of science experiment and a pet. <laughs> and um, do, you,
0: do, you have a, do you have a bread machine or do you do it all but yourself?
1: I do it all myself in an, in an oven three and, times uh, a week.
0: And I uh, have to ask you final question. Have you actually been cold water swimming yet off the Isle of Skye in the I, wonderfully known sound that you have?
1: I, I have not. I have looked at it though and I've walked down and then the sheep bar at me Uh, But I have walked across to an island, there's a little island near here, and I waited till the lowest possible low tide, put on my waders, and went for a walk across to an
0: island. That's a very, very nice image, Neil. We will leave you there, and thank you so much for joining us. And uh, please buy any and all of Neil's books, and now I'll hand back to Daisy.